My, my, how I hate to interrupt this tender scene. A harsh male voice from the doorway brought Becky back to her senses. She turned to face Colonel James Lane. Feeling the rush of blood to her cheeks, she knew her face was flaming. I was overcome for a moment by some sad news, and Mr. Fitzgerald was comforting me. Well, how touching. Perhaps I can offer some comfort one day soon, Miss Stiles. But for now, I have a prisoner to dispose of. Jim Lane was never a pleasant man, but with his dark hair fanning out around his gaunt, sneering face and his deep-set, almost black eyes, Becky thought he resembled pictures she had seen of the devil in her early school books. All he needed was a red cape and horns. What are you going to do with him? Well, Miss Stiles, you probably don't want to know his final fate. Most of us around this town consider border ruffians only fit to decorate a fine stout oak branch. But to spare your sensibilities for now, I have a horse with me to transport him to a proper jail until that fine day arrives. Jim Lane roughly secured Dan's hands behind his back and led him toward the door. Something in Becky snapped. Pro-slave or not, she could not allow Dan to hang. Almost without conscious thought, her fingers curled around the pewter pitcher of water she had brought for the prisoner's lunch. Stepping behind the colonel, she brought it down on Jim Lane's head with all of her strength. He crumpled to the floor, and Becky wasted only a passing thought as to whether she might have killed the man before her attention turned to Dan. She cut the rope binding his hands with a small knife she had brought with the food. I couldn't let Colonel Lane hang you. She shrugged as if knocking out colonels was an everyday occurrence. Follow me. With no better option, Dan bent and kissed the hand of his deliverer. I am completely at your service and deeply in your debt, Miss Becky. Becky brought Dan to Nathan and his wife's room next door and picked up a bandana, duster, and hat for Dan and a rubber rain slicker for herself. Here, put these on and button up to your neck. Then hold this over as much of your face as possible and follow me. Whatever you do, don't speak. We're going to walk out and mount those horses Lane said are out by the back door. I will try to get you out of town without attracting too much attention. It's pouring rain, so most people will not be about. Becky led the way down the back stairs, where two horses stood ready. One was a spirited Palomino, and the other a bay gelding not in the first flush of youth. If there was any question which was Lane's personal mount, the short-barreled, slanted carbine Sharp's rifle, called Beecher's Bibles in Kansas, hanging in a scabbard on his fine embossed leather saddle, made it clearer. You take the Palomino, I'll ride the bay. She untied the horses. People may notice me riding astride, but it's not unheard of out here. Sometimes we have to. If anyone gives chase, you keep going. Never mind me. I'll not leave you behind to face the music for rescuing me. We'll both make it out safely, or neither of us will. At least this downpour will cover our tracks quickly. Dan helped her mount, then swung into the saddle of his new horse. As they reached the end of Massachusetts Street, Becky heard shouts and gunshots behind them. She looked back to see Jim Lane, his gun smoking, and hear his powerful voice carrying over the wind and rain. You traitorous bitch! You'll live to regret this day! I'll make you pay a thousandfold! The race is on, Dan urged. We have enough head start on them. We'll lose them in the woods across the river. They easily outdistanced their pursuers, but Lane's parting words still echoed in Becky's head. She had made a powerful enemy.